What's up, Better on the Inside? It's John, your host and digital pastor. Hey, I wanted to do a quick advertisement for one of my guests. You haven't heard his episode yet, but Kyle Meyer Scott stopped by the podcast and he has written a fascinating book that I think it is absolutely worth all of us reading. It's called Following Jesus in a Warming World. Printed by Ivy Press, this book offers a unique perspective on how faith and the global climate crisis intersect. And Kyle tells some great stories about it, and he also has some real practical action in there for how we can take care of God's creation and why that's actually a discipleship issue, not a political issue or a social action issue. I was kind of blown away by some of what he had to say, and as I mentioned, his episode will be coming out pretty soon. But I would highly recommend checking out this book, Following Jesus in a Warming World. Get your copy today. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside, a podcast about helping you and the church be better on the inside. How can you work at a church, serve a church, be a part of a church without losing your soul, man? There's a lot of issues going on. There's a lot of things people are dealing with. And we try to talk about it honestly here. My name is John. I'm your host and your digital pastor on this journey. Today, my conversation is with Ezra Beyer. I keep wanting to say Ezra Bridger from Star Wars uh, Rebels, but Ezra Beyer, he is the proprietor and uh I guess, executive editor of the Monday Christian, as well as the Monday Christian podcast. So if you go to the mondaychristian.com, you could find his stuff there. I met Ezra at a conference, really cool dude. We have some great conversations about AI in the church, presentation styles, Canada, why young people are kind of disconnected from the church, all sorts of great stuff with a really good dude. So check him out at the mondaychristian.com. And this is a really good episode. Thank you for being here. As always, subscribe if you dig it. Rate us five stars. The ratings always help. And if you want to go a little bit deeper, you can be a part of our Facebook community. Uh, The conversation continues there. It's facebook.com slash group slash better on the inside. Enjoy the episode, y'all. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Better on the Inside. I'm here with my friend Ezra Beyer. Ezra, how are you doing? Well, great, John. Great to be with you today. And uh, you were on my podcast a few weeks ago, so it's good to be on yours. That's right. Ezra is an awesome dude from the Monday Christian, and he has an awesome podcast, an awesome website, and is really doing some amazing things. Now, unlike many guests, Ezra is somebody that I've actually met in person. We met at a like leaders think tanky emerging thought thing (laughs) in Pasadena, California, and it was really cool to meet you there. Yep, the emerging thunk leaders or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) whatever it was. But Ezra and I were in the same group to kind of think through some stuff and we really connected. And I got a chance to, you know, check out his website and his podcast. And I wanted to make sure that I not only did I have him on my podcast, I got to be on his podcast, which you mentioned, and we kind of continue this conversation in the digital space. But we, we definitely have some simpatico kind of vibes about digital and how we feel about it. Yeah. Well, you're you're coming at it from you're in Texas, and I grew up in Canada, so and I'm in, in Idaho now. So our cold and heat difference is very uh, coming at it from two very different worlds. Yeah, I mean, just literally full fifty plus degree temperature differences in where we are, which is bonkers. And oh, are you a Canadians fan? Yeah, Montreal Canadiens fan. All that. I so I grew up in a small town uh, about eight hours north of Toronto. So whenever. 
I ask people, have you been to Canada? They're like, oh, you know, one time I was to the Niagara Falls. Yeah. So <laughs> ah! yeah. hit the Niagara Falls, keep going about eight hours north. And literally it's the end of the road. You can go farther west or east and go up, you know, farther northern, northern Canada. But we were at the end of the road in a small town called Cochrane, Ontario. And that's where I grew up on a 160 acre farm in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's amazing. What kind of, what kind of farm? Was it like working animals, like pigs, or was it like more produce? Like what kind of farm was it? I say farm. I mean, we, we allowed our neighbor to put like his uh, beef cows on, on there. But from our perspective, we had, I think we had like, I had some rabbits and a dog and that was about it. So farm in, in Northern Ontario, I mean, you're, you're, time of growing things is so short right so we didn't ah. really actually farm farm we just more yeah. called it the farm uh, we had a you know barn out back and that kind of stuff but um i think we turned it into like a, a hockey gym and all that kind of stuff so oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, that that is a great canadian export is hockey yeah um and the hockey crop that's actually funny i hadn't thought of how the seasons of being so far north would change what you could grow and mm. what you couldn't and the seasons you can grow that's awesome well, okay. and, and it changes probably, yeah good well you know and one thing a thought on that is it's like the seasons of of you know when it's cool hot and, and you and you spend a lot of your it's just a different climate so my wife she grew up in north pool alaska right that's Whoa. where she you know she grew up so way farther north than when i grew up right yeah and what's interesting is there's there's pluses and negatives uh, on a very serious side the suicide rate in alaska is very high um but then the sense of community that you get of being in a cold climate culture and you're caring for your neighbors and you're helping people out and it's cool and you're in it together. That's something I kind of miss sometimes yeah. in warmer climates. Well, what if we could do the community and not the weather, you know, that, that's, the, <laughs> that's, that's what we're yes. looking for is to not have the the extreme cold weather but to keep the community and looking out for each other so so that's what we're trying to do man <laughs> yep i'm all for that yeah that's awesome i would okay we could talk about canada for the whole podcast because i'm so fascinated by canada as a country but i did want to talk about the monday christian but also especially a thing that you wrote recently about ai of uh, artificial intelligence and why christians should care about it and so give everyone a brief introduction to the Monday Christian, and then like, let's jump into the AI conversation. Monday Christian, I started it several years ago. It's the mondaychristian.com. Um, and the whole idea, I was living in Toronto, Canada at the time, and just thinking of different people that would commute to and from work, especially in the city of Toronto. We lived along the busy busiest section of highway in North America. And people would commute, I mean, two, three hours a day. Wow. And so being able, I, I th thought, man, the church has to do a better job of connecting with people on their commutes and providing resources for them that, that help them. So that's kind of how it evolved and how it started. Um, and then essentially, you know, we do a blogs, uh, podcast, um, some video stories that we've been starting and, th and things like that, just trying to engage people and really uh, answer questions that real people in the church are having. A lot of podcasts and stuff are geared more towards Christian leaders, and that's not bad but yeah. i wanted something that's more geared towards everyday uh, men and women who are uh, showing up for work and it's just kind of doing the grind of life you know yeah. and so that's kind of how that evolution happened several years ago yeah okay and so you're taking a posture which is really cool of like extending and one of the things we really connected on was extending this idea of 
church isn't an hour a week on Sunday, right? Like there's 167 other hours in which you are a Christian Mm. um, and not just that one and extending that for regular folks, not just for Christian leaders. And so most of the AI conversation that I've heard in the church has been around Christian leaders and what (laughs) churches should do. But your perspective is a little bit different. It's like, why isn't just an everyday Christian I should care about AI? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's hard. I, first off, I'm no AI expert, and I'm so far behind the train. One of the things, though, that I do, I work as a full-time freelance writer, and most of my, of my work is done through a company called Forbes Books. And so I'll work with high-performing CEOs, and a, and a lot, just by the nature of it, are in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And so sitting with a number of leaders last year in particular, and hearing their projections, right, you're just kind of getting to overhear the casual conversations that, you know, they're having for 2028 and 2020, you know, 2030 and all that. It's like, man, you're sitting in on a completely different world. And I'm thinking on one hand, the questions that they're wrestling with, and then the questions I often see maybe sometimes Christians are wrestling with on social media or friends, you know, that they're wrestling with are very, very different. And I fear, one of my fears is that uh, this kind of catches the church and, and, and everyday Christians, kind of by surprise. Yeah. And one of the points that I make, and I've found this to be true so many times, technology is both fast and slow. Like mm. you go back 50 years ago, we're going to be, you know, it's obvious we're going to be doing flying cars by 2020, right? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I wish that were the case, but it's, but it's not. And so that, in that sense, it's kind of slow, right? It's, it's slower than we thought. But then you look back 20 years ago and how many tech um, startups, you know, you know, Facebook, so forth, that do we have today? And you think of going back to that world even 20 years ago, and it's like, whoa, that would be a completely different world in a sense. And so oh, yeah. it's it's that fast and slow concept, I think, that, that gets us. Yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely sneaks up on us, right? Because so often, to your point, it's like, it's going to be the Jetsons, right? And you look back <laughs> at the prognostications of what it looks like, and it's not like that. And then in other ways, it's just so far beyond even what Star Trek imagined. Yeah. Right? And so right. you're watching old Star Treks and they have iPads basically, mm. but they're, you know, they lack some of the basic functionality that we would have now. And that's supposed to be in the year 2300 something. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And so AI as a, uh, how would you describe AI to a layman, right? Everybody kind of gets the idea of artificial intelligence, but what are some of the uses that these tech CEOs and other folks are looking at? Because people at this point may have heard of chat GPT. Yeah, that's a common of, one. Yeah, other AI products. So like what what kind of things are artificial intelligence doing? I mean, I, I think, so from a practical standpoint, I think of my friend, he was just over in South Korea. And I, th- well, actually, one of my friends was just, um, I forget what part of Texas, but he was in, I don't know if you've been to restaurants where um, the waiters are all robots, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, so, okay. So that's, I mean, that's a practical thing, but, and that's kind of a, I would say novelty in our area today. But what happens when all of a sudden that catches on, right? Yeah. And that really becomes accessible and affordable for restaurants. Well, that can all you know, take out an entire industry almost, you know, very, very quickly. And again, I don't profess to be an expert on this by any stretch of the imagination, but I think if even things like the trucking industry and things like that, I think there are, there are things that over time can seem kind of innocent. And then all of a sudden we might wake up and here's an example. I was working with a client 10 years ago, right? 
and was writing on, you know, not exactly a revolutionary concept, but the whole idea of working from home more, right? Sure. And, and so, and, but for years he would write and he would speak on this and people were like, oh, okay. I mean, that's You're great, but crazy. what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that on a practical sense, that's not going to happen. Well, of course the pandemic hit and then now it's natural. When I work, most companies, I would say, I mean, at least a lot of the companies I work with now, uh, it's pretty common, even like Forbes books, you know, a great company. Um, and I, I think their policy for a lot of the employees is they're in maybe two days a week and then mm. three days they're at home, right? Yeah. That's quite a shift. And so that, that shifts, you know, young people coming out of college or university, um, their expectations for what kind of jobs they want to have and what employers they want to work for and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I think we'll see that kind of stuff in, in the, the coming years, but from a practical like pastoring uh, perspective, I guess we could say, um, what happens when like a percentage of your church all of a sudden don't have jobs mm. because their entire industry has been, you know, pulled out. I think th those are some of the real questions. Um, and then I, I think even identity, you know, yeah. that's, that's a big one where, um, you know, I think of even Elon Musk, you know, I'll just pull it up here. I forget to click the article here, but, um, talking about embedding like a Neuralink chip. And wow. so in, into his his brain, and, and the whole idea of that would be it would help potentially with things like PTSD, mental health challenges, and all that. Right. Um, and so that's the plus side of that is, is incredible. But like, are we going to wake up at a, at a point where Google is accessible at the you know the the tips of our thoughts, right? Instead yeah, of our fingertips, right? Right. <laughs> right. And then what? How, how does that play into identity? And how do we see ourselves? Are we? humans or yeah. <laughs> it sounds like crazy stuff but that's i think that's real stuff that christians will have to wrestle with yeah well and how does it you talk about feeding into identity like how does it feed into privacy how does it feed into yeah. relationships and yeah. how do you separate the technology from the person and that kind of integration does have spiritual ramifications yeah yeah um, in significant ways and and you know and what i love about you know what you write and what you typically are producing is that it's not um it's not for shock value it's mm -hmm. not for clicks it's not for outrage it's just it's a I, sobering isn't the right word but it's just a, a kind of um everyday perspective on something like this and so when as we're fusing more with technology right like uh, I was having a conversation with some parents at the park the other day of like the, without the internet, there used to just be people that knew things. Yeah. And th there was a guy in the office where it's like, Hey, George, who won the, you know, who won the world series in 1974? And he would just know. And now and you paid a premium for people like that. Yes. And so now that knowledge is almost like unnecessary mm. uh, because you can literally look facts up. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of at, at the tip of our fingers. But, you know, what is the big picture of that, dude? That's so interesting to me. D did you ever do Bible quizzing? No. Like, so you uh, didn't, you didn't yeah. go up with a church background, right? Like, no, so no sword drills, no okay. sword drills for me. See, I did. Yeah. I did. So I was Bible quizzing champion like six years in a row. Whoa. Won a whole $200 a year. I think yeah. I made $1,200, but the catch was you had to put it towards going to a Christian college or university. That was the yeah. catch. Yeah. So I did do that. But I, I look back on that, right? And so I, I'm thinking about my kids. I got young kids. 
how do I form them? Right. Uh, and I, I, th- so like, you know, book, chapter and verse, right. That was something yeah. that was emphasized to me growing up. Right. Yeah. You know, learn your Bible. And that's, I think that's very important from a formative perspective, but I think, and how I train my kids, it's a little different. I don't necessarily want them as much book, chapter and verse as I do. I want them permeated with, with how God's word is transforming their mind in their instantaneous reactions to other people. Right. right? right. And it's, it's, it's a subtle difference, but I think it's a big one. It's a huge difference because again, it's like, you know that they can look up where any of these verses are. And I find myself, even as somebody who's, you know, reasonably well studied in the scripture, just being like, wait, where's the verse where Jesus says this? And it's like, Jesus says, you know, log in your eye and you Mm. just search it on Google and oh, Matthew, whatever comes up. I don't know if it's Matthew, but I'm guessing. Um, and, And it comes up and it's like, why should I hold that knowledge in my head when it takes two seconds to find it? Mm. Um, then there are reasons where you go, well, there are reasons to know that, right? There's good reasons to know that. And it is part of that formation piece of internalizing it and not just having it out there. So I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in chat GPT, you know, just from a practical perspective, you know, you've seen that maybe the different people that have tweeted and, and said, you know, write me my most awful Christian devotional, right? And including all the catchphrases like, you know, we're going to get a coffee sometime. And oh, yeah. Oh, those <laughs> I are, pray those a hedge of so protection around you and, <laughs> yeah. and, and all that stuff, like incorporate all those phrases into one devotional post. And it is just truly awful, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but I think from a practical standpoint, like, I was at a conference this last weekend, and this is pretty common, I think, for conferences to do, but they had just like an interactive tool. I think it was, I think they used a Slido, uh, if I'm saying that right, right, mm-hmm. S-L-I-D-O. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, people can interact as the speaker's speaking. A lot of churches I would go to, uh, to I, I've hardly ever seen that done in churches, at least the ones yeah. I've been around. Yeah, But I think stuff like that, I think is going to be very important for our generation because it's not, you know, You've said this date, you know, point many times. It's not about the the sage on the stage, but the guide on the side, right? Mm. And I think when when people come into and sit in our churches and they are so informed and they can fact check us so quickly, I think the ability to engage them, I think, does wonders for them. You know, John, like I think of so many people who have been hurt by the church mm. and who have expressed that hurt, right? And what are they saying? I mean, obviously, there's the actual hurt that's taking place, and some of it is just horrendous, right? Yeah. So, um, but a lot of times, I would say, it's the breakdown in a relationship. Right. They didn't feel heard. They didn't feel right. seen, and they felt marginalized. And using stuff like the, these yeah. techniques where you can engage people and pull people in, I think can do wonders because like – Maybe you have a different perspective. I don't know, but I feel like if people are sitting, if if I'm sitting in a church, I can disagree with what the pastor is saying. But I, if I feel like that communicator or that person is on my side and cares about me, I have so much grace for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and and so, but what contrast that? You know, if <laughs> yeah. they can say all the right things, but if you think they're a jerk, it really doesn't matter. Man, it's so true, and I love what you talked about with engagement and the ability to. I am 100% with you, especially as I hear about young people Mm. and what young people are looking for in church of, they have more knowledge in a lot of cases, like 
they're so far beyond where not only where we were at that age, but they know so much about the world and they know so many facts and, and all of these things. And to the spiritual point, it's like they can get all the interpretations and the, all the sermons of any biblical passage, they could come with interpretations from here and interpretations from there. And so there's a really like, there's a really in-depth understanding of these things to your point. And they're kind of, you're kind of being constantly fact-checked, right? Yeah. Constantly evaluated on, is that real? Is that not real? Is that loving? Is that not loving? But then you add this interactive element, which I think people want to not just consume they want to participate. Yes. And I think that participation is, is breaking a barrier uh, in how we do church because for so, for, uh, you know, most church stuff is not very participatory. It's very like consuming based where you go to church and sit in a small group, you go to church and sit through a sermon, you go and you, you volunteer, but you are, not setting that path yourself, you're kind of filling the spot. And so to have your voice heard, I think is just such a huge, a huge piece of where the church has to go in the future. I mean, are you the type of guy that if you hear, I don't know, maybe you hear someone play a song, right? And then they get done playing the song, but they leave the last note on the piano and they don't play it, right? Where you almost have to go up and hit that note to complete it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if someone someone's yeah. making an argument right but yeah. they're leaving out one key detail that is just glaring and you know you know you know they probably know it and they but man it's almost impossible to listen to the conversation without inserting that point right yeah and i think a lot of people are there in the church and and they're hung up maybe when a speaker says something and they're like, this This connects to maybe a majority context, but doesn't. Yeah. maybe I'm a single adult or maybe I'm from a minority group and mm. this doesn't apply to my context. And if they could have that opportunity to inject their thoughts and feedback and feel seen and heard, that makes a world of a difference. To, yeah. And it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's, it's just a massive difference. Um, it's a huge difference. I can't tell you how many times I've shouted at podcasts. Hmm. Or, or or sermons or whatever where I'm listening and I'm going, oh, dude, you're not thinking about this. Or, yeah. man, why are you leaving out that? Or, no, you're totally wrong. Like, uh, like we have opinions that we would like to share. And it tends to make the conversation better when you get a diversity of opinions. Yeah. Um, if you're just stating facts, eh. But if you're having a conversation and really exploring something, a diversity of opinions can be really, really helpful. Yep. Uh, and I like the, you know, I like the illustration that you used of sitting there and being like, man, it would be really cool if somebody could, you know, text in during the message and you could see like, yeah, but what about single people? Like, how does that apply to us? And it's like, oh, that's cool. Like that, in that includes a whole other group of people, because to your point, it's not about acquiescing or changing or uh, modifying maybe what you were going to say. A lot of inclusion is just about hearing people out. Yes. Uh, uh, because even if you don't, even if you hear it and you go, oh man, like I never really thought about that. I don't know that we're going to change anything, but I think that's a really good point. Bring somebody into the conversation versus being on the outside of it and going, oh man, they don't even care about this. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. Would you, would you do that? I, I leaned to my pastor yeah. buddy next to me and he was like, man, I don't know if I would do that for a regular Sunday. Cause again, yeah. you might get some weird stuff. Um, I think I would, you know, if, if we did it the right way, right. Where, where, you know, say you have a large enough room where it's not cause people can post anonymous comments, mm-hmm. right. But you have mm-hmm. a moderator and they can, and then they can like have three or four questions at the end of a sermon and people get to vote on which questions they really want to, you know, so you get those upticks. Right. And I think that would be super helpful. um, That would be, you know, Oh, that would be incredible. Ezra, that's my dream. Like I, like as a, I am. So in our context, right. A lot of our pastors take, um, we, we take time to prepare sermons like every pastor does. Right. But when you need somebody to go up at the last minute, I'm like the person that can improvise and like do something that's maybe not as well prepared. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I love questions. Like I love the idea of answering people's questions, especially if they're challenging or might catch you off guard, because that that integrates people in a whole new way, a way that you had, you know, that people aren't thinking of. And it it is. if you're doing your job right as a communicator, you're you're generating questions. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be, oh, no, nobody has any questions about it. It's like, whoa, you should be touching topics that get people to participate and ask questions. And so I would love the kind of thing where at the end of every sermon or do a whole service devoted to the questions from that series or whatever. I think that would be a fantastic way to yeah. apply what you're talking about. Yeah, I, again, just for this generation, again, it, thinking of what the what information they have and, you know, how 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 do you know, how do you make it uh how do you speak in a way? You know, I think of how I listen to sermons. Again, we'll go back to the pastoring thing here for a sec. How I consumed sermons maybe 10 years ago. Maybe this was part I was in my 20s then and mm-hmm. so I I consumed sermons I wanted to know information, mm-hmm. right? I was the guy that sometimes would bring in like my Greek New Testament, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you, now I got my iPad, so now it's you, cleverly disguised, right? I've yeah. got accordance on there and I can, you know, fact check and all that stuff on the go. You're the Bible and, quiz you know. champion and <laughs> and the concordance in Greek New Testament guy. I love it. And so I I wanted I wanted things uh, sermons that challenged me intellectually. Right. And mm-hmm. that I still do. I still I still want that. I think that that's often lacking. But the biggest thing is I, I want a high form of inspiration now mm-hmm. where where there's yes, there's the information, but there's also the application of how how this story of God connects to my life and how this empowers me to love others in my community at a higher level, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And and so, again, it's kind of moving away a little bit from the guy, the all knowing guy on the stage to yeah. to someone who can help steer you in, in the right direction. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I do think there's probably a part of that that's age, but I think some of it is just uh, probably maturity. Um, and here's what I mean. Um, and this is not to, um, this is not to like insult anybody who wants to grow intellectually with the Bible and scripture and anything like that. It's not that. But often we get people that are like, hey, man, this isn't deep teaching. This isn't deep. This isn't deep. This isn't deep. Yeah. And I, which is is in a way true. But I think as you get older and more mature in your faith, you come to a place and go, nothing is mature if it hasn't affected my actions. Mm. You could take this. That's sim- spot on. 
you can take Spot the simplest on. principle and if you're not living it it doesn't it, like you can pursue all this intellectual yep. stuff of like translate it back and forward from greek latin hebrew but if you're not loving your neighbor like what are you doing it, it well see this is and I, th- I think this is the the power so like to me the the value of the intellectual side is it engages people and sets their minds at ease and people this is one of the reasons i don't know if you like reading malcolm gladwell but i'm convinced i think one of the reasons people love like myself love reading malcolm gladwell is he makes you feel smart when you read mm. when you read you True. feel like man I know a lot. Yeah, totally. <laughs> because he brings you in. He he like sucks you in and you're like, oh, okay, I'm with you on this journey. It's not just me dumping information on you, right? Yeah. And I think that same approach that that if we can have where the the information that we share, again, just, cl- you know, shifting away the way that we not just, so we assert, I think a lot of communicators just sometimes insert stuff in because they feel a little insecure and they're, yeah. wor- you know, they're worried, are people going to question? So I need to make sure I cover all my bases. But I think mm. once you get a little bit more security in yourself, you're able to share deep content, but then you're, you're also, you do place a high emphasis. I mean, Rick Warren and Ed Stetzer talked about this on the church leaders podcast a few months yeah. ago, a great conversation on, on this topic. Um, Rick Warren off, often gets kind of criticized for not sure. going deep enough. Right. Yep. And, people have different thoughts on his teaching or whatever, but, but what, how I've, you know, living in like, for example, when I lived in the inner city of Toronto, right. The questions everyday people are asking are just so radically different than sometimes we who have been in the church for a while think are important. And when, when we lose sight of that, it's just, we end up answering a lot of questions that no one's asking. Yeah. And answering questions no one is is asking is a futile, it's a bad feeling because eventually that disconnect starts to, it starts to create some frustration of like, we're answering the questions. We're doing the right thing. Why aren't people engaging or whatever? And then the people are frustrated because they're like, my leaders don't get me. They don't understand me and what I really care about. And so there's a severe disconnect there. Mm. and man that's a good that's that's good right answer answering questions that no one is asking is such a bad form of ministry yeah (laughs) there's there's not a winner in that Mm. yeah yeah no it's 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 a tough one for sure lots of different routes we could go but uh i don't know it's just it's it's been on my mind a lot because taking a step back from full-time pastoring ministry after i did that for about 10 years it just gives you a different perspective when you're sitting back and you're you know you're just kind of thinking okay so what do we care about in the church why do we care about it and then working mainly with secular clients that don't really have a relationship with god you just realize sometimes man again there, there can be such a disconnect if we're not careful yeah, man, what is like a huge thing that you learned in that transition? What is something that you'd like to share with church leaders or non-church leaders, like transitioning from that ministry to uh, from you're not really transitioning from ministry to not ministry. You're transitioning from vocational full-time ministry and like in a setting over to a different kind of ministry. And so what was your biggest takeaway in that? I one of the big things for me is, is how much subtly you can place an emphasis on on just the value of being full-time Christian ministry and, mm. and the identity that comes with that. It's a it's a high 
identity. And along with that, though, so ministering in, in the inner city of Toronto was just very, very different from context like I'm in right now, just outside Boise, Idaho. Yeah. Right, it's night and day difference around here. The, the, the oftentimes the conversation, and then I lived out east in you know Cincinnati, Ohio for seven years, Virginia for three years. A lot of times the conversation here and, and over there was more okay. I, you talk to someone and they'd say, "Oh, I know I need to get back to church, or I need to, yeah, I, I need to s- spend more time with God." In Toronto, it just wasn't that at all, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, I mean, you'd have some of that, but very little in. in religion, especially Christianity and anything that could potentially be aligned with, you know, evangelicals and the whole Trump thing and all that. It was yeah. just like, oh, no, I, no, thanks. I don't. And, and more and not really hostility, just, OK, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> right. And so you're at a completely different starting point. And so I think one of the challenges sometimes when I go to Christian conferences, you have big speakers on a stage, things like that. They speak oftentimes from a context where they've spoke to a lot of other Christians and they've had yeah. great success, but it's a, a tremendously different starting point. And so I guess it gave me a renewed heart for people that are ministering in very difficult places and and the complexities that come with that and how it's difficult for funding challenges and difficult to do a core group and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, all those things. And so taking a step back, just kind of, I don't know, it brought some perspective. Yeah, man, that's really good. That's really good, dude. We could talk forever, honestly, and we'll have to do this again, but now I'm going to transition you to the non-judgment zone of joy. (laughs) And this is non-judgment zone of joy. You need a a voiceover artist who says that. Yeah. Well, okay. Judgment zone of joy. Well, now we're going to go to the song. What kind of music have you been listening to lately? Okay. You ever heard Benjamin William Hastings? No, but that sounds like an old president. That's William <laughs> Henry Harrison or Benjamin <laughs> Harrison, I think. But I love ben, it. Yeah, Benjamin William Hastings. So he, uh, yeah, I think he's Irish, I think. Okay. And he's done some with Hillsong and all, and all that. But uh, there, for those in our audience, you can kind of see him there. So there he is. (laughs) Wow, that's cool. Okay, he he writes from a position of depression, something like stuff like that. That really is connected. Okay, so I'm gonna do uh, Benjamin. What what was his name? Benjamin William Hastings. Benjamin William Hastings. (laughs) I'm gonna do maybe a little bit of Irish, dark Irish style theme song for the non-judgment zone of joy. Okay. the key Ezra is to remember that I cannot sing. And that is part of what makes this bit a good bit. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) On the foggy dew of the morning, the non-judgment zone of joy rolled in. I didn't know what to think of it, but I immediately jumped in non-judgment zone of joy okay that was not what i was hoping i went to like maybe a little billy joel there uh piano man but um yeah that's your theme song for today ezra what is bringing you joy right now right now okay this is gonna sound weird the daily disciplines love it the daily disciplines um Richard Foster wrote the celebration of discipline back yeah. in the day. I'm a huge Dallas oh. Willard fan, all that, but uh, sometimes it's so easy to get away from them. And so yeah. like this week I've um, just 
even yesterday, I was kind of struggling with some things and questions. And I was like, I texted my, you know, I have a, what's called, what I call an accountability partner or my preferred term, a running buddy. Mm. And I'll just text him. And I said, man, I'm kind of going through a hard time. Um, but I went out to the garage, worked out and have a workout plan that I'm on. And, and then one of the things I've really enjoyed the last couple of weeks, okay, this sounds terrible to admit, but sometimes I, I struggle with like, um, setting like consistent time to spend with God each day. Yeah. Sometimes it looks like this, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, you're, you're and you'll, and so I was like, man, and so what I've been doing in the evenings is just, I'll take an hour before bed and just sit down on the couch and it's, it's kind of a downtime. Mm. So I'll pick up my guitar and I'll play. I'll, I'll read some scripture. I'll pray. I'll open up like a scripture memorization app on my yeah. phone. I'll journal and, and there's no structure to the time, but it's an hour of, mm. of where I I'm going to take back. And for me, that has been so life-giving Yeah. Um, because in a sense, there's no structure, but there is mm. because you enter it and, you know, I'm reading a book about heaven and that's been encouraging to me, uh, you know? Yeah. And, and so like having that hour combined with the workout time and all that, and just making sure the daily disciplines are there, um, that has been very joyful and life giving lately. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love to hear that. And that's why it's the non judgment zone of joy, right? Like, that's a cool answer that, um, that I'm really encouraged to hear. The uh, Irish, really, yeah, non judgment zone. Yeah, the non judgment zone of joy. <laughs> Sorry for all my our Irish listeners. That accent is horrible. Um, well, you got a little green in your shirt, so yeah, you're doing the job. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So you can find Ezra on uh, themondaychristian.com. Where else can they find you? That's the simplest place. Okay. Twitter as well. But yeah, that's that's the easiest. Yeah. Find my man Ezra on themondaychristian.com. We will make sure that we link to everything in the show notes, and we will be certain to have him back. Dude, Ezra, this was awesome, man. Thanks, John. Love speaking with you. Yeah, man. I love it. All right. Yo, that was the episode with Ezra. Man, that guy's cool, huh? I really enjoyed talking to him. If you want to check him out, you can find him at themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com. Really cool dude. I would highly recommend looking up what they're doing there. They're doing some really good stuff. And I think our conversation was good. If you want to continue the conversation, go to facebook.com slash groups slash better on the inside. As always, like, subscribe, share it with your friends. We got some really cool stuff coming up, y'all. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm so excited for this. I love having conversations with people. And there's a lot of really great people that I get a chance to talk to. So, hey, whatever you guys are dealing with, I want you to know that I love you. And uh, I'm here, man. I care about y'all. Y'all are fantastic. And I'm so thankful that anybody even listens to the podcast, man. All right. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you later. Peace.